You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Jesus Tree, part 13 of 13. Enjoy. We're going to conclude our series this morning. We've been in a series having just a party called The Jesus Tree. We've been learning about our supernatural family. When you think of your family, the first thing you should think of is Jesus. Not your biological family. When you put your faith in Christ, you were made new. You were reborn and you entered into a whole new family with a whole new father that loves you with a perfect love. So God became our father when we put our faith in Christ. He'll never hurt you. He'll never leave you. He'll never turn his back on you. He'll never say an unkind word to you. He can't do it. He's perfect love. There's nothing you can do that can, can cause him to be unkind to you. Nothing. His love for you is perfect. And we've been learning about who we are in Christ in this series, the goodness of our Father, about our family history, and now we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and that's how we're going to conclude it today. We're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Godhead, and he wants to fill you up daily with the life and presence of God. And he'll do it if you'll just trust him, right? So we were made to live a spirit-filled, a spirit-baptized, a spirit-immersed, a spirit-led life. It's the great privilege of being in his family. Let's look at Romans 8.14, and this is gonna be our promise for the month for October. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This is the mark of his children. We walk in the Spirit. Don't think you don't walk in the Spirit just because you've made mistakes. Begin, that's what the Romans chapter 6 declares. And 6 and 8, that we walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Isn't that great? That, our, that we're dead to sin and our spirits are alive to God in Christ Jesus. We don't respond to sin anymore. Amen. It doesn't move us anymore. We're dead to that. Amen. We're alive to his love. We're alive to the spirit of God. Hallelujah. We talked about the Holy Spirit leading us, right? But where is he leading us? Do you remember? Where is he leading us? Where does he want to take you? Into a whole, complete and prosperous life. It's good to know where he wants to take you if you're going to let him lead you. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is the same purpose as Jesus. I came that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. The same purpose of the Holy Spirit is the same purpose of the Father. Do you remember Jeremiah 29, 11? God is speaking. He says, for I know. Man doesn't know because man didn't make you. Religious leaders don't know because they didn't make you. But I made you. I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Did we make that up? Where's that at in the Bible? Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. That word prosper in the, in the Hebrew, we translate it prosper in the NIV. It's shalom. Peace, wholeness. I have plans of wholeness and prosperity for your life. Come follow me. Come follow me. See, if you knew how good God was, nothing could not, if people knew how good he was, nothing would keep them from following him. Why would we, why would we not want more life, more prosperity, more strength, more joy, more peace? That's what God has for us. In Isaiah 48, 17, he says, I'm the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. God wants to teach you to be prosperous financially and in every other way. Isn't that wonderful? And he'll do it not by your might, but by his might, by his spirit. Hallelujah. So this is the badge of his children. We're led by his spirit. And the peace of Christ is our natural habitat. That's where we live. Amen. 
Every day, that's where we live. We eat, sleep, drink, and breathe peace. Just like a fish's natural habitat is water, our natural habitat is peace. All right? And we're living this spirit-led life daily. And we said this, I think, last week and the week before. We said a spirit-led life is lived by perceiving instead of reasoning. Okay, perceiving instead of reasoning. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Where is the peace of Christ in your life? It's inside of you. It's in here. Okay, it's in your spirit. This is verse 15 in the Amplified, Colossians 3. It says, let the irene in the Greek... Same as shalom, it's a Greek equivalent. You know, the New Testament was written in Greek, but it was written by Hebrews. And they used the word irene in Greek as the, the Greek equivalent to shalom in Hebrew. Let the wholeness of Christ, let the prosperity that's, which comes from Christ rule in you. Act as an umpire continually in your hearts. If fear comes into your life, you cast it out. It's, it's, it's offsides. That's a foul. Throw the flag, right? And, and, and you'll win the challenge, believe me, because God, God is, is in for you. Isn't that great to know that God's in the review booth for your life? Hallelujah! The Satan says, we're going to review that one. You blew it. And I'm going to play it over and over again because you, you are out of bounds. But he replays it, and all of a sudden, you're in the end zone because the blood of Jesus has put you in the end zone. Ha, 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 ha. Ah, yeah, the devil said, you're out of bounds. I've got the film, but he watches it again, and you're in the end zone, and you just scored a touchdown. Jesus! Woo! Go, Pat! <laughs> I told you it's a party. Let Christ rule in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality every play in your life, every strategy. All questions that arise in your minds. Look at this. In that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body, you are also called to live. This is where we live. We live in the end zone. We're not in the red zone. We're in the end zone now. Jesus got into the red zone for us, didn't he? And he put us in the end zone. In that peaceful state which you are called to live, be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. So this peace of Christ, it's the state that we're called to live in. But we enjoy it by perceiving, not reasoning. You try and figure this thing out, eventually your mind's just going to tilt. Because this is a supernatural spiritual reality. And we let that peace of Christ decide and settle with finality all questions that arise in our minds. Trying to figure things out with your mind, trying to figure everything out with your mind will rob you of the peace that belongs to you. And so many believers are going through each day trying to figure it all out. And they're stressed because the peace of Christ isn't up here if you're going to try and live in your own strength. It's in here. And as you grab a hold of it in here, it'll start to ooze out into your body, into your mind. And as you begin to thank and praise him and bring your uh, requests before him, that peace of Christ is going to surround your mind and guard it. The peace of Christ, which, which surpasses all what? Understanding. Mental reasoning. Don't try and get the peace of Christ with your mental understanding. Grab it with your heart. See? You know what? You don't know everything. And I don't either. And I never will. Woo! And it's wonderful. I don't want to know everything. I don't want to know who's going to win today. I want to watch the game. Well, it's no fun if you already know who's going to win. Right? You, there's only one who knows everything. And there will always be only one who knows everything. So why are we trying to know everything? 
Why is man on a quest for knowledge? Because they don't realize how good God is. That will wear you out. It will send you to the grave before your time. It's time for peace. 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 So your natural mind can have all these questions, but the peace of Christ will settle every single one of them. As God leads you forward, I want you to know this, not everything is going to make sense. We live a spirit-led life. That's how we're finishing up this series. And in this spirit-led life, not everything is going to make sense to your natural mind. So don't go there. Let the peace of Christ lead you into the whole complete and prosperous life God has for you. Even when your mind doesn't understand it. Life's not here, it's here. All right? So in this life we're living as new creations in Christ, we're perceiving in our spirit what God is directing us to do. I like how the Holy Spirit said it in Romans 8, 16 through Paul. It says the Spirit himself, that's the Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And that's how you'll be led. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit as to the direction you need to go in your life. And it is wonderful. It's like a nice warm blanket wrapped around you inside. There's a witness in your heart, and you want to get to know that witness. You want to follow that witness inside. And there are times when that witness will lead you to do something and it doesn't look like it's possible. It looks like, man, this, this is, there's no way it's going to work out. But you've got this witness inside that you need to go forward. Go with it. You'll be so glad you did. There will be times in your life where you, things look like it's, it's going to work out perfectly, but you'll have a witness inside saying, don't do that. But in the natural, it looks like everything's fine. Like this will be a great opportunity, but just there's a witness inside that says, I don't want you to do that right now. I want you to go this way. Okay, it's a spirit-led life. We're led by that internal witness of the Holy Spirit. And boy, is it fun. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to say something here that will really help you. Are you ready? You can't be consistently led Spirit-led, without meditating on the promises of God. I want to stay with me. This is not a, a works thing. It's not a bondage thing. But we need input of life. Now, there are times you can be led at different times randomly. But if you want to walk in the Spirit, if you want to be consistently Spirit-led, you need a regular intake of God's promises. Why is that? God's promises contain the three things that we emphasize here at Highway Church. You hear us say regularly, we started this church uh, because Jesus never came to establish a religion. He came to bring us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. What are the three elements of our relationship with Jesus Christ? Who God is what he's done for us through Christ, and who we are now in Christ. And that's what you'll learn as you meditate on God's promises. Let's take Psalm 23, for example. Promise of God. The Lord is my... That's who he is. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Yeah, translated in some English as want, it means lack in the Hebrew. Same thing. Want in terms of I shall be wanting for nothing because I'm prospering, right? So in that one promise, I learn a lot. I learn who he is, that he's my shepherd. And that he loves me so much, he's going to see to it that I will lack nothing what he's done for me. And I learn who I am, the sheep of his pasture. You see how a promise will grow you in your relationship with him? So his promises give us knowledge of who he is. Now listen closely. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, tell us that grace and irene, peace, are multiplied to us through the knowledge of God. They're multiplied to us. How? Not through the knowledge of good and evil, through the knowledge of God. Verse 4 says that through his precious and magnificent promises, we become partakers of his nature. Okay? So God's promises are paramount, essential, if you want to walk in the Spirit. Because when I learned that God was my shepherd, it helped me follow him. When I learned that he didn't want me to lack in life, that he leads me into plentiful places, pastures that are green and rich, and and waters that are still and peaceful, that he he restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, that even though I'm living in this world, I'm not going to be afraid of anyone or anything because his rod and his staff comfort and protect me. So we need the knowledge of God to walk in the Spirit. Okay? God's promises are spirit and life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit. I think he said the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. Isn't that awesome? So sometimes people are trying to be led by the spirit, but they don't know the promises. And they have a hard time discerning, is this God or is it not God? But begin to fill yourself up with the promises. We were just doing it this week. Uh, we, we like to, when, most of the time during the week when school's in, we like to start the day together as a family. And, and you're, you're doing your one-a-day chapter. We're in Ephesians now. Isn't that good? And we'll read our chapter, and then we'll, we'll declare some promises over our lives. What a way to start the day. And those things will roll around inside of you all day long, and it will enable you to discern what God is directing you to do. Because he speaks always in line with his promises. His promises are his heart revealed. So when I'm learning and meditating on the promises of God, I'm learning and meditating on the heart of God. Boy, this is good. Don't fall asleep. Okay? Hey. So we want to grow in the knowledge of God, not the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? The knowledge of good and evil is not spirit in life. It's flesh and death. Okay? The knowledge of good and evil. That's why God said don't partake of that fruit. It's death to you. What was the tree that man was not supposed to partake of? The knowledge of good and evil right? Deciding in your own mind with your own intellect and own strength what's right and wrong. You can't do it. That's very subjective. There are some days, have you ever had this, something kind of feels like, okay, that'd be fine for me to do, but then a week later, you're like, no, that's not good for me to do, right? That's your natural mind. The Holy Spirit knows what you're to do every day, right? So when you try and rely on your natural reasoning, it will always fall short, and it leads to death. Remember, there's only one who knows everything. That's not our job. You don't have to answer every question. Questions will wear you out, man. You don't need to ask another question. Start believing. Start learning his promises, and boy, the questions will go. I'm telling you, his promises are the answers to your questions. They are. If you have a question, get a promise to answer it. If you don't got a promise yet, keep digging in the word until you find it. Guarantee you there are at least three promises for every question you have. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. So we're not reason led. We're not knowledge of good and evil led. We're spirit led. Remember reason, if you're reason led, reason asks the question, should I do this? Is it good or is it evil? Spirit led doesn't ask that question. The Spirit says, is this what my Father is directing me to do now? Because there are some good things that aren't God things for you to do right now. I mean, how many good things should you do every day? (laughs) And who determines that? 
I mean, if we wanted to start making a list, we could, we could easily put 100 things on there, right? There's overwhelming need in the world. We're not led by our heads, by what is good, by the knowledge of good and evil. And the enemy can, can wear people out with that stuff. He'll overwhelm you with a need in the world and say, you should be doing more. You need to do this more. You need to do that more. You need to do this more. And, you know, after a while, that gets tiresome. But the Spirit doesn't lead you in that way. He's not overwhelmed by the need of the world. He's met it already through Christ. They just need to realize that. Do you know there's no shortage of anything in the world? I know the the news has told you differently, but there is an overwhelming supply of resources in this natural earth. And anytime you see any kind of a famine or shortage, it's not because there's not enough. There's a spiritual warfare going on. Satan's trying to take people's lives. Hallelujah. Now, the Holy Spirit will not wear you out. His yoke is easy and his load is light. And the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do anything that is evil. That's contrary to the goodness of God. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. This is so good. See, as we learn the word of God, we understand the heart of God, and we discern the leading of God in our lives. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, describes to us the difference between the Holy Spirit and the flesh. And it says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Isn't that what the enemy always uses against you? You broke the law. You did that wrong. You're not under that anymore. Sin's not your master anymore. Grace is. Hallelujah. For sin shall not be your master, for you're not under law but under grace. Where's that at? You guys know? Isn't that Romans 8? I forget the verse, but it's in there. You can look it up. So verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Some translations say obvious. Well, what are the things that the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do? Sexual immorality. Never. Never, contrary to who he is. Impurity, never. Sensuality, never. Idolatry, never. Sorcery, no way. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Just in case there's something on that list that didn't specifically address what Satan's trying to lead you into, if it's anything remotely related to these, it's not the Holy Spirit, right? I warned you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's no life in those things. Those things destroy you and lead to bondage, confusion, depression, and death. Every time. So why would I want to follow a temptation? I, I, and when you know where it leads, you won't follow it. There's no way I'm going to do that anymore. I know the truth now. I know where that's going to take me. If there's a doorway, and I know on the other side of the doorway is a 50-foot drop with no staircase, I'm not going through that door. It's simple. Isn't it simple? But look at the Holy Spirit. Look what he wants to lead us into. But the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 is love. That's the fruit of our recreated spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. I mean, who doesn't want these things, right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Wow, gentleness, self-control. So if you'll let the Holy Spirit lead you in your life, more love's coming your way. Love will grow inside of you, real love. Not cheap Hollywood stuff. Real love. It's not fictional. It's real. It's not on a screen. It's inside of you. Real, make you strong, heal your body, set you free love. 
If you'll be led by the Spirit, love will grow in you. Joy, joy that nothing can take away will grow in you. Peace, wholeness, well-being, untroubled, undisturbed well-being will grow in you. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, kindness, goodness. Amen. God, you're so good. So as we follow the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives, we will experience more of these things. That doesn't mean some people aren't going to reject you and make fun of you. But I'll tell you, if you follow the Holy Spirit, he will supernaturally fill you up with every one of these things. Every one of them. And you can be rejected by 20 people, but when the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, it will not get you down. It will not get you down because the love inside of you is stronger than the hate outside of you. Love is stronger than hate. Every time. Every time. Hallelujah. I, Jennifer and I went to see uh, Less Miserables. You guys know? Well, <laughs> Les Miserables. Is that better? Yeah. It was at PPAC, and uh, in the story, um, there's a, a young lady by the name of Fontaine. Do you know the story, Fontaine? Fontaine has just hit the bottom of, of degradation, and she's been slammed, rejected by society, torn apart by people who have abused her and misused her. And she sings a song that musically it's very beautiful, but lyrically it's tragic. And she says this line at the end. She says, life has killed the dream I dreamed. And she's at the, her, her, you know, her, at the bottom. And that's where the devil wants to take you. He wants to kill your dreams. But I wish someone would have told Fontaine that if you'll put your faith in Christ, he'll give you a brand new dream for your life. And he'll heal your broken heart and he'll put you back together again. And he'll lead you into life abundantly. See, following the Holy Spirit means broken dreams are restored. Being led by the Holy Spirit mean, means hurts and pains are healed. Being led by the Holy Spirit means a life of wholeness and restoration. The Holy Spirit wants to give you new dreams, new confidence, new hope, hope that comes from heaven's throne that no one can take away. We're spirit-led. His yoke is easy. His load is light. Let's put that up there. Matthew eleven thirty. We doing okay? No one snoozing? You can take a nap during the game later, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Mark eleven verse thirty. This is what Jesus said. Now, now, what made Jesus say something like this? The Holy Spirit didn't make him, but in other words, he spoke of the Holy Spirit. He spoke by the Spirit of God. You know that about Jesus? He said, I never do anything that my father hasn't told me to do. I don't say anything, my father. How did the father speak to Jesus the son when he was on earth? By the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus came as a man, didn't he? The same way he speaks to you now. You're just like Jesus. As he is, so are you in this world. It's time to see yourself as an ambassador, a son and daughter of God. No less than him. He's given you his standing before the Father. He's given you his righteousness so you can do his things that he did in the earth. For my yoke is easy. Boy, religion hates this word. My yoke is easy and my load is light. That word easy means achieved without great effort. My yoke is achieved. The things I have with you, for you, are achieved without great effort. Because his great effort, he made the great effort, and we get blessed by it, right? Without your great effort. It, it means uncomplicated. My plan for your life is uncomplicated. You ever seen someone post in response to a question online? It's complicated. Not God's plan for your life. That's a sign that they're all up in their head. Right? They're trying to figure their life out with their head, not God's promises. And it is complicated if you live that way. But get rid of that stuff. 
It's not complicated. It's easy. I like how the Amplified says it, verse 30 in the Amplified. For my yoke is wholesome. I don't know why I think of a Wheat Thin commercial when I see this. When I was a kid, there used to be, I think it was Sandy Duncan did this Wheat Thin commercial. And they're talking about how wholesome Wheat Thins are, but that's what I think of. So. I could see Jesus holding up a box of Wheat Thins, right? There, no, my yoke is wholesome. I don't know. My yoke is wholesome. Do you guys like Wheat Thins? They still make them? I don't know. Come on, it's a good cracker. All right, all right, all right. Now I'm thinking of Andy Griffith who did the Ritz commercials. It's a good cracker. Remember that? Come on, was he the perfect guy for that commercial or what? You guys ever seen that? It's a good cracker. It's a good yoke. My yoke is wholesome. We're talking about being led by the Spirit, right? Easy and light is the Holy Spirit. Not complicated. All right? Useful. Good. You got it. Ba, ba, ba. That's right. Useful. <laughs> good. <laughs> Useful. Good. Not harsh. Oh, this is so helpful. Not harsh. The leading of the Holy Spirit in your life is not harsh. He's not harsh. He's not hard. Religion is harsh and hard. The Holy Spirit is not. It's not harsh and hard. It's not sharp or pressing. That's what the devil tries to get you to do, even with good things. Do it now. You better do that or if you, you're, you're going you're gonna to be disobeying a God. You better do that now. That's what the devil, he's sharp and pressing. That's not God's spirit. You know, you can be led by other kinds of spirits, but we don't want to be led by spirits, plural, because there's only one Holy Spirit. Other spirits will pressure you, prod at you. They're harsh and hard and sharp and pressing with you to try and get you to do something. Don't listen. That's not the Holy Spirit. He's easy. He's useful. He's good. He's wholesome. You want to know what that word wholesome means? That which causes, promotes, and brings about health and well-being. It's a good cracker. Yeah. Jesus said, walking with me, following me, will bring about health and well-being in you. It's exactly what he's saying right there. And my burden's light and easy to be born. I like how the message says it, verse 30. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's us. We're learning to live freely and lightly. Not in bondage and heavy. <laughs> freely and lightly. We're not stressed people. Uh -uh. We're living free and light. I'm free and light, man. I'm free and light. I'm free. We're living free and light. All right. So let's do this as we close this series. Let's look at some examples in the scriptures of people who were perceiving instead of reasoning. Okay? Let's look at people who were perceiving instead of reasoning. And let's start with my hero, Jesus. All right? Mark chapter 5. I mean, he's better than Superman and Wonder Woman and Spider-Man and Hulk all wrapped into one. He's... He's perfect in all his ways. He is my hero. Mark, Mark, and you know, you remember that when you're watching. Isn't it, you know what the, the most popular type of movie is? Superhero movies. The last stat I read anyway said that, 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 that they gross more revenue than any other type of movie. Why is that? Ah! Actually, there is inside of us a super calling from God. To live above the natural, 
to live supernatural lives. It's inside of every one of us. The devil's tried to rob that from man and tell him there are things that are impossible that he can never do. But God says nothing is impossible if you follow me. Jesus said you can do the things I did and you'll do greater things than these if you just put your faith in me. It's inside of us, this desire to, to see lives restored and saved and made whole, to see the supernatural set people free. Hallelujah. All right, so here's Jesus, and we're going to see Jesus and this woman, they're perceiving something in Mark chapter 5. They're not reasoning, they're perceiving, okay? Let's we'll start in verse 21. When Jesus was passed over again by ship under the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Now, why did Jesus do that? Why did he go to the other side? He was being led by the Holy Spirit. He didn't go where the need was. He went where the Holy Spirit led him. If you're going to go where the need is, where do you go? It's all over the place. Right? Don't be led by people's needs. Be led by the Holy Spirit. The devil will, will try and convict you or condemn you because you're not meeting someone's needs. Right? Oh, you better, you better do this for that person. You're not a Christian. Jesus didn't, he didn't, wasn't led by that. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He only did what his father led him to do, right? He only said what his father told him to say. And his father led him by his spirit, right? Verse 22, and behold, there cometh out of the rulers of the synagogue, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he besought him greatly saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and let your hands, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. Why did he go with him? Was his need greater than that mob that was surrounding him? Do you think there were some other people possibly in the thousands of people around him that had a child that was sick? Why did he follow him? The Holy Spirit led him to do so. Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. Verse 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, long time, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she, when she had heard, there's that knowledge of God, right? She heard that Jesus heals. She heard, that's knowledge of God. He's the healer. What did that knowledge of God enable to do? It gave her hope and confidence. It inspired her to get up and to move forward, right? She heard of Jesus, and she came in the press behind, behind and touched his garment. Not his hand, not his feet, not his face, his garment. For she said, so she heard the knowledge of God, and it inspired her to speak the knowledge of God. That's how we do it. We hear about the goodness of God by meditating on his promises and we speak the goodness of God. She said, if I may but touch his clothes, I don't touch his feet, I don't touch his hands, I don't touch his face. As far as this woman was concerned, just his clothes will do. I shall be whole. So what is she doing now? She's acting upon the knowledge of God that she heard. And you've got to do that. The only knowledge of God that will work for you is the knowledge that you act on. How did she act on it? She opened her mouth. And you need to open your mouth and declare what God has done for you. With the stripes that wounded Jesus, I have been healed. Her confession of the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of God, brought her into the pathway of God's plan for her life. Look how this happened in this woman's life. She heard the knowledge of God, she confessed it, and she came in contact with God. 
and it works the same today. You hear the knowledge of God like you're going to hear every time we gather. You're going to hear it, and then you confess it. And as you go through your week, it's going to bring you in contact with God's healing power in your life, with God's plan for you. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was, a, was dried up. Now, this is a great little word here. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. This little word felt is the same word used in the next verse talking about Jesus. Let's read that next verse. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Before we go to that, let's look at some other translations of verse 29. All right, so let's look at Holman, the whole HCSB. It says it this way, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. The Living Bible says it this way, and she knew she was well. She's perceiving this. You're going to see this as we go read some more. She's perceiving in her body that she's well. No tests being taken, no x-rays, no CAT scan, no MRI. She's knowing inside that she's well. The Phillips New Testament says this. That's why people are so stressed. They're relying on a man's report to determine whether or not they're healed. I'm going to believe the report of Dr. Jesus. I'm healed. Verse 29, this says it really good. And she knew in herself. That's a perceiving. She knew in herself that she was cured of her trouble. And boy, I love that. I experienced this in my life and have many, many times where I knew in my heart that I was well, even though in my body I looked like a wreck and felt terrible. But I knew I was healed because I knew God was my healer. I knew what he did for me through his son, Jesus Christ, and I confessed it with my mouth. In that very next verse, verse 30, the same Greek word is used for Jesus, and it says, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself. We have some perceiving going on here. She's perceiving who God really is, and she's connected with Jesus, and he's connected with her. He's immediately knowing in himself. He doesn't know who, but he knows something has happened. Virtue has gone out of him. A miracle has just taken place, and he knows it inside. He's perceiving it, and he turns about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Luke tells this, this account and says uh, the border, that she touched the border of his garment. So he couldn't feel it. You know, he had a robe on. Some say it was the tassels of his garment. She just touched the tassels, the hem. He didn't feel that physically. He perceived it inside. The Phillips New Testament says this. This is good. Let's put that up there. And Jesus knew intuitively. That power had gone out of him. Man, I like that. But the disciples weren't perceiving their reasoning. So out of their reason, they say in verse 31, Jesus, there's a multitude thronging you. What do you mean who touched me? What's you talking about, Willis? You remember that from, what's that called? Different strokes. So the disciples are reasoning and Jesus and this woman are perceiving and because the disciples were reasoning, they missed the whole thing. There was a miracle happened right next to them. They missed the whole thing. And boy, have I seen that happen in the body of Christ. One person's being healed. The person next to him is reasoning and they miss it. Reason can't get you where God wants to take you. Faith can't. Perceiving in your spirit what he's done for you. Wow, reasoning will hinder you from experiencing the power of God in your life. Reason will hinder you from experiencing the miracles of God in your life. Reason will hinder you from living and fulfilling the destiny of God for your life. Because God is bigger than what you can figure out. 
He's bigger than any formula or equation man can ever create. He's supernatural and he wants to do all things in your life. Boy, oh boy, go Jesus. Let's look at another example of Jesus perceiving. Let's go to Mark chapter two. Is this good? Come on, are we, are we, we, we're growing, aren't we? We're learning to walk in the spirit, to perceive God's moving in our lives, to recognize the goodness of God, the witness of God in our spirit. Verse six, chapter two. Uh, did I jump ahead? Oh, no, no, okay, I'm sorry, verse one. Yeah, you're right, verse one. Okay, let's summarize for time's sake. So Jesus goes into Capernaum because he's being led by the spirit, right? And he, it was noised about that he's in the house. He's in someone's house right now. And they're, they're, it's spreading all over town. And, and crowds are gathering. They fill up the house. And they're around the outside of the house so much that no one can get in. Wow. And uh, so these four friends come bringing their friend who's crippled on a mat. And they're trying to get him in the house to Jesus, but they can't do it. So what do they do? They, they quit and they go home. No. Right, they're determined to see their friend whole. So they climb up the house. I wonder what the owner of the house thought. He's out watering the gardener. Ooh, there's people climbing up his house. They go up on the roof, they poke a hole in it, and they lower their friend down through the roof. And verse five, six, I'm sorry, verse five. Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith. Now, yes, it's true. Obviously, their faith was being demonstrated by, by doing whatever they could to get to Jesus. But I want you to know there is a perception going on here in the Spirit. Jesus is perceiving their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 6, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there, and what were they doing? <laughs> reasoning. Jesus is perceiving and they're reasoning. The New, the New International Version, verse 6, says this. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. You want to get depressed? Sit there and think to yourself. <laughs> I'm serious. It'll take you down. Might take a while, but eventually you're gonna. By the end of the day, you're gonna be like, "Oh, my life is a mess. It's a, what am I gonna do? I don't have any hope." Yeah. They're sitting there thinking to themselves. In fact, the Greek word there—I don't know how to say it—something like dialogizomai. But in this Greek word, we see the root word for logic. They're putting together principles that they've learned, and they're logically figuring out why Jesus is wrong. God is in front of them, and they've determined with their logic he's wrong. This is what happens when you reason. God wants to heal you and set you free, but you determine it just can't happen. Reason is a great enemy. In fact, this Greek word, it means to reckon thoroughly. Just, oh, you're just, boom, you know, tossing it around. It means to cast in your mind over and over, to muse, to think to reflect, to discuss. So you sit there thinking to yourself, all of a sudden you get on the phone and call someone else and, and you, both of you are thinking to yourselves together and it gets worse. Because you try and find someone else who's gonna agree with your negative thinking. Right? And that just amplifies the whole thing. Then you go on Facebook and you post how, how bad your, 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 it is, right? I encourage you, Facebook is not your answer. Your answer is right in here, right? This is what you wanna post. Please, post the promises of God. Post his promises. I'm not singling anyone out. I'm not thinking of you. I'm just telling what I see on Facebook, and I'm not picking on anybody. But think on him. Right? You'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. All right. So God is about to, to he's moving. He's about to to change this man's life forever. And here's these religious leaders reasoning and missing the whole thing. Verse seven, uh, this is what they're reasoning. Okay, so they're thinking this. It doesn't say they were saying this out loud. It says they were reasoning to themselves. 
Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So there's some truth in their reasoning, isn't there? I mean, obviously, God's the only one who can truly forgive sins. There will always be truth in reasoning. Reasoning is never just totally stupid. There's always, when Satan does it, there's always some truth mixed in. Why? That keeps you there. Right? It's just, just enough to keep you going. To keep you going round and round, then he'll toss another little thing in there. Oh, but that, well, that's true. Oh, oh, with that. No. The reasoning is faulty. And immediately, here it is. This is the verse I want to get to. And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit. I love that. So he didn't hear them with his physical ears. He's perceiving in his spirit what's going on inside of them. He perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves. He said to them, why reason you these things in your hearts? Or ye, that must have been one of their names. Why reason ye? Yo, ye. Why you reason? No, that's King James, ye. Why reason you? Or why do you reason these things in your hearts? Wow. And what did he do? He spoke his word to the man. The man who had been paralyzed stood up, took his mat, and left and went home. And what did those reasoning folks do? Got mad. And reason makes people mad. Mad at God. Mad at Jesus. Mad at people who are experiencing Jesus. Oh, boy, I, I just have to control myself right now. because All kinds of things going on inside of me. Never should a, a declaration of who God is and what he's done make you mad. So if someone posts and gives, what does Psalm 34 say? It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Right? So if you're not rejoicing at the promises of God, it's because you're up here. And not here. I love it when people post to what God's doing in their lives. And of who he is and what he's done. Amen. Let's look at another example. We're almost done. Let's look at Paul. In Acts chapter 27. How Paul's perceiving. The chapter 10 of Acts. Uh, sorry. Acts 27 verse 10. Acts 27 verse 10. Now Paul's on his way to Rome. This is huge, right? He's going to stand before Caesar and preach the gospel. Woo! Right? Amazing. And on the way, I mean, Satan tried to take Paul out many times, didn't he? If you look at the life and ministry of Paul, Paul was just trying to buffet him and destroy him, but he didn't do it. Paul won, right? But here he is on this ship, and Paul's perceiving something, and he tells the crew, he says, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be hurt, will be with hurt and much damage. Not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. How did Paul know that? Holy Spirit was revealing to Paul what was going to happen. He's perceiving this. Paul was not a captain of a ship. He was a preacher, a tent maker. Didn't know anything about sailing. Didn't know anything about knots and, and currents and winds. But he perceived something in his spirit. Verse 11, look at this. Nevertheless, the centurion, a military expert, military leader, believed the master and the owner of ship. Well, that's logical, right? Here, a guy doesn't know anything about sailing. He's a preacher. He's a prisoner. You know, he's a tent maker, but the master of the ship says, we're going and, and we're going to be fine. I'll go with him. That's how what reason does. You know, you, well, does this logically make sense? If it makes sense, I'll do it. No. Is the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you should do this? So they, they, nevertheless, they believe the master and the owner of the ship more than these things which are spoken by Paul. You can know more than the experts by walking in the Spirit. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse, uh, you don't have to put it up there, we'll stay in Acts. 
uh, verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law, I meditate on it. It's my meditation all the day. Your word, your promises make me wiser than my enemies, for they're ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I observe your precepts. Don't let any expert talk you out of the abundant life that God has provided for you. Hallelujah. By meditating on the promises of God, you know more than the experts. You know things the experts don't know. Meditating on the promises of God will show you things the experts don't know. The one that comes to mind right now is Proverbs 4, 23, I think. It says, your word is medicine to all our flesh. Health to all our body. Wow. Experts don't know that. But it's in the word. Start putting the medicine of God in your body. How do I do that? It's like Proverbs 4.20. My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For their life, they're the medicine. They're the cure. They're the remedy to those who find them. They're health to all their whole body. Man, I don't know what the figures are, but the healthcare industry is huge. Because people don't know Proverbs 4.20-23. That his word is the medicine everyone's looking for. It's the cure and the remedy for every ailment. For every weakness. Jesus. Let's do our last one. Yeah. I know. It's so good. Let's do our last one. Are you ready? This is the last one we look at and then we're done. We're going to look at Acts chapter 15. Now this is huge. Boy, with this put an end to denominations. This is big. This is the first generation church and the headquarters for the church was in Jerusalem, right? Where the, the, the original apostles were there, most of them, right? And an issue of major doctrine comes up. Big deal. The whole gospel, if you'll read Matthew through Revelation, is simply this. We're saved by grace, through faith. And October is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. You know what that is? 500 years ago in uh, 15, I guess 1517, what's this? Yeah? Martin Luther, who was a monk in a very large denomination, saw things that troubled him, doctrines and actions that troubled him. And he nailed a list of 95 things. Am I right? Help me out, history teacher. <laughs> On the door. And said, so these things aren't right. And he had a revelation from the scriptures that we're saved by grace. Not by giving money, not by doing good works, not by praying many prayers every day, not by doing what religious leaders tell me to do, but through simple faith in Jesus, we're saved. So this is a debate that's been going on since Jesus and since the first generation. So what happens in chapter 10, what did I say? I'm looking wrong. 15, verse 1. Well, I'm going to try and summarize, be briefly. But there are men that come down from Judea, and they're teaching the brethren, the believers. They say, unless you're circumcised according to the custom Lest you do things our way, you cannot be saved. You ever heard that before? Woo, I have. In other words, we've got this system. It's already established. And if you want to be saved, you've got to enter our system and do things our way. What is that saying? We're the key to salvation. No, Jesus is. Right? How do you know if someone's preaching is an error? How do you know if you're hearing a false gospel? Anything 
that tries to move you away from being saved by grace through faith is false. And there's a huge debate going on in the body of Christ right now over what people call the gospel of grace. And it's so sad. There shouldn't be any debate. It is the gospel of grace. And it's revealing as to how many of God's children don't know what grace is. Wow, pastors have been pastoring for decades, don't know what grace is, or have forgotten what it is. And they're preaching works weekly. And their congregations are under a heavy burden because grace has been put off to the side and works have been put in its place. And this is what's happening here. The gospel's bursting forth, it's breaking out. And then these men come along and start saying, wait a minute. We've got a system, and you've got to be a part of it, or you're not saved. Verse 2, therefore, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension. <laughs> That's a very sophisticated way of saying they were arguing, right? There's a fight going on here. I don't think any fists were flying, but they were hot, right? <laughs> Put them up, Paul said. No, said. <laughs> they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem um, for, to the apostles and elders about this question. So this is a big deal. The gospel the apostles are preaching is you're saved by grace through faith. But there are a lot of people that have a lot of religious tradition and they're saying, no, you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to do this. And if you don't do these things, then you're not saved. Boy, this is huge. So how are they going to solve this? Are they going to write a 30-volume set of their doctrine? and create a school that people have to go to for four years and become a part of their system, they're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's all they do. That's it. Look at this. This is set you free. Wow. We're going to skim through verse 5. The sect of the Pharisees rose up saying, it's necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. Verse 7. Let me see how I can get through this quickly here. They said, they talked about the Gentiles. So Peter stands up. And he's telling, listen, the Gentiles heard the word, the gospel. And they believed. And God gave them the Holy Spirit. They weren't circumcised. They don't know the law of Moses. They just heard about how good God is. And they were saved. And the Holy Spirit filled them. Their hearts were purified by faith, is what the end of verse 9 says. Wow. Okay, therefore, oh, I like verse 10. It says, now, therefore, why do you test God? They're speaking to the Pharisees, to the people who are telling them they have to be circumcised. Putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Why are you trying to put burdens and yokes on people that, that, that no one can bear? No one can bear that, that I've got to follow man's rules to be saved. That's too heavy. Man didn't make you. God did. And his yoke is easy. His load is light. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is verse 11, we shall be saved. That's what we believe. This is Peter talking. He got it right, didn't he? <laughs> All right, let me get to the, let's jump down to verse 18, verse 19. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. Religious tradition will trouble you. And look what they say here. Let's see, uh, verse 24 they write a letter to spread it out, to let people know. They said, for since we've heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with the words, unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised, you must keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Now here it is, verse 25. Here's their solution. It seemed good to us. They perceived in their spirits, this is what we should do. Not write a 30-volume set of doctrine, not set up a, a, a Bible school where everybody, I'm not against Bible schools, but they just say, it seemed good to us that, that we should send these men, Barnabas and Paul, and then verse 28, 
he says it again, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, they're perceiving, and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Stay away from things offered to idol worship, right? Remember Galatians, idolatry, right? Holy Spirit won't lead you into those things. From blood, things strangled, and for sexual immorality. You do, you, if you stay away from these things, you're going to be fine. See you later. Farewell. That's the next verse, right? Verse 29. Wow. Isn't that simple? Don't get into idol worship. Stay away from sexual immorality. You'll be all set. But wait a minute. Where's the arduous crawling up on, on the stairs on my knees and repentance and confessing my sins and, oh, and praying 70 prayers a day? No. Just believe in Jesus. You'll be all set. Hallelujah. So God is, is leading us by his spirit. And the peace of Christ, the perceiving in your spirit, will settle every question you have. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, this has been fun. This has been fun. Getting set free of religious bondage and, and worries and fears and living freely and lightly in company with you. Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful word you've given us, Lord. The word of your son, Jesus, that we're saved by grace through faith. Lord, we're not going to add anything to that. It's perfect. And we receive it. And thank you that we're purified through simple faith in your son. Hallelujah. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.